It's time for JT the Brick. What's up, JT? Woo! Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Always great to be with the Brick. But I'm a sports talk host. I talk about multiple topics. Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Use the phone like a weapon. Wake up this town. You, the Raider Nation, have an opinion. You got that? I think you all get that. JT the Brick. Talk to JT. I'm on a roll. The out-of-control fans, the passionate fans, do me a favor and surprise me today. We love Las Vegas. When I retire and walk away, you better throw a party. You won't hear from me again. I promise you, unless you catch me on the golf course, get the blank out of here. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. I'm going to be Mr. Positive. Are you kidding me? Enjoy everything we do, and please always feel welcome to call in and to be a part of the show. Big Boy Radio. Did I miss anything? Are you with me on that? And now. No, no, no. Here's JT the Brick. JT, back with you. Hour number two on the eve of what could be a Stanley Cup championship here in Las Vegas. Can you believe I just said that? I didn't say that in year one. I said we're on the eve of the Stanley Cup, but Vegas never won the Cup. They won game one and lost four in a row. Four in a row to Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals, and the Capitals celebrated in Vegas. And I remember that well because I had a lot of buddies on the radio in D.C. who were out here celebrating. Tonight, we get an opportunity to see Vegas drink from the cup and celebrate tonight in Las Vegas, which would be a long weekend. It'd be like having a three-day weekend. I know this town inside and out. Uh, This is an entertainment city. Of course, there's some people with quote-unquote real jobs, nine-to-five jobs, but everybody, according to me, has the rest of the day off. Get out of your job. Get out of work. Your bosses will understand. Find your way down to the fortress. Get out there. Have an ice-cold beer. It looks like it's going to be, what, 88, 90 degrees. It feels unbelievable. And we are the showcase after Denver last night. At Ball Arena won their world championship. Now it flips over to Hockey Town Vegas for tonight. But Vegas has got to win. And that's the tough part about this. Don't count your kegs before they're tapped. Don't predict they're going to win unless you're a fan. And I'm just a fan behind the microphone. But I think Vegas fans need to get up, get ready for this. And look, we got a lot going on in this town now with construction, and normally we don't. I'm not a big cone guy. I live out in Summerlin. I got friends who live in Deep Henderson. Basically, I get in the car once or twice a week. I don't drive much. I drive out to the Raiders on the 215 to the 15. I get off. I wave to the M. And not a lot of traffic here, but now we got F1, and they're tearing up the strip. And there's a lot going on here. There's a little bit of construction, and we got the Stanley Cup final in a couple of hours. So as soon as this show ends, I'm cleaning up, and I'm getting in an Uber, and I'm going right down, right down to my friends down there outside Beer House or Park MGM or whatever. We're going to celebrate this before I go into the game. I'm credentialed tonight to go in. I'm excited to see some people there within the media, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, Joe Sands, who puts on the broadcast, I always go up there and give him a fist bump. I thank the Golden Knights for including me in this unbelievable ride. They've been brilliant, giving me coaches, players, guests on this show for the last couple of years. Uh, but again, I'm just a fan. I'm not a journalist. I'm not there asking questions to players. I'm there to watch the game and talk about it on the radio show. And I think I do that at a high level. Last hour before the Stanley Cup, if they win, tomorrow we will dedicate the show, if, unless there's Raiders breaking news, to the celebration of the Vegas Golden Knights as Stanley Cup champs. If they don't win the game, we'll have an opportunity to preview game six and get ready for what's going to happen. The other big thing I have this week is I'm part of the MC team of the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. We've talked to all the inductees this week. We have one more guest going to join us coming up here, and we're going to have a nice conversation. So if I look at everything that we've done so far, I'll be MC in that event on Friday night, which is going to be a big one. 
Looking forward for that opportunity, too. There's going to be a lot of people in town. Uh, Jeff Gwynn is going to join us at the bottom of the hour, the son of the late, great former governor, Kenny Gwynn, who's done a lot with UNLV and sports in this town. So we'll talk to his son about his dad's induction coming up, and that'll wrap up everyone that's getting inducted on Friday night. And that'll be at the Dollar Loan Center, and I'm really excited to be a part of that. Just got back from a week in Maui. It was epic. One of the best vacations I've ever had. A lot of golf in the water. I don't look at the water. I get in the water. I was in the water snorkeling, doing a lot of cool things. Had a great time with my wife and friends. I broke the code. I went with my wife with some of my best friends. So I had the best of both worlds. And it was great. I got back late last night. I was a little bit nervous that uh, I would miss a game. I didn't miss it. I didn't miss a home game. So I'm in there tonight for game five. And Denver won last night. So with Denver winning last night, Brandon Cristal will join us, the great reporter who covers the Broncos, the Nuggets, the Avalanche. He's going to join us in a few minutes as we get going here. So that's what I got. I got open lines for you the rest of the show, and then I'm out of here, and I hope to see you. I hope to see you down there tonight at the game if you're going to the game. Mike in Arizona, thanks for waiting. Mike, start us off. You're up first on Raider Nation Radio. Yeah, JT, wow. You wanted to talk about the Raiders, or the Raiders, the the Golden Knights. The Golden Knights, man. Yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen tonight, buddy. You feeling I'm ready it? For it? You feeling it? What do you give me the score? How do you think they're gonna win the game? Because Florida's not gonna go away lightly. They are an angry, cheap, scrappy bunch. They play dirty, and they're not gonna just be there to give the cup to Vegas. I can promise you that. Yeah, yeah. You know, they love they love to win when they're on the road, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. the hockey, there's just something about hockey. They love the humiliation of, you know, spoiling the day in, in the other, in the other city mm-hmm. yeah. uh, arena. But uh, I, I think they're going to finish them off tonight. I, I think, I think they've got the, the energy to do it. They're at home. They need to win it now, finish them off. And, and I can't wait to, I hope, Listen to the game. My reason for calling you, JT, mm-hmm. I'm fiddling around on my AM radio and I find you on the radio. You're a powerful station. I'm going, man, can I go old school? I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. Can I go old school tonight and listen to yeah. this NHL game on the radio? Where can I listen to well, it? Well, we're the flagship. I appreciate the call and I'll put you back on hold. Bobby can tell you with 1340 AM. Uh, Fox Sports Radio, where I've been on forever. Thanks for the call right here in Vegas. I don't know if that signal gets to you. I know you're calling from Arizona, but you should be able to go into TuneIn. Uh, if you go to Alexa, ask for the game. NHL Radio has the game. And that's why I live my life on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. It, it costs less than a cup of coffee for a month, and you can get it on NHL Radio. So there shouldn't be a problem doing that. I know you got a TV. If you want to listen on radio, I don't know why you wouldn't watch the Stanley Cup tonight on ABC Television. And see the coverage there, or TNT. Look, how about that one, Bobby? I screwed that one up good. TNT. I'll throw that one out there. But I'd look for it on TV, and hopefully we can help you here on the radio dial in Vegas on the flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. That opens up a line. Wow, I thought we were going to get shut out today. I thought we were going to get shut out today with hockey calls. Good to know the phone lines are going. And I get a call from Arizona. And Mike, appreciate that. Why don't we get a Vegas fan to jump in? 702-365-9200. Here's Ray in Las Vegas. Ray, happy Stanley Cup Day. How are you? Go ahead. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Delivering parts in Vegas. And every shop I've been to, uh, most of the 
all of them have been talking about time to get it, time to get it. And uh, it's my sister's birthday, too, so. Good for her. It'll be cool to get it. Uh, just got to stay the course, play the game, and don't go into their game. And uh, man, man on man, we have them beat. So there's no excuse, and hopefully the fans will just go freaking crazy and be loud. And that's it. Yeah, I don't think. Home. Yeah, thanks for the call. I don't think the crowd not being loud is going to be a factor. The the fortress is always loud. I mean, the, it's always loud at a Raider game, and I know there's some opposing fans in. There's going to be no opposing Florida fans. Florida fans have lost their will to fly from Miami, Sunrise, Florida to get beat. So I don't think you're going to see any of their fans here, especially on a Monday, where they might have been here over the weekend, but they're not going to stay. I don't see that happening. It should be, you know, 95% Vegas Gold Night fans, plus some corporate fans and some gamblers. They might not have a team, but they can afford going to a Stanley Cup final. So the energy will be good. The only thing that can't happen is Vegas can't go in the box. They can't take a penalty or two early. They can't go down. These high-sticking penalties have drove me nuts throughout the playoffs. And all of a sudden, man, there's a high-sticking penalty. Someone's in the box, and you're playing man down. No need for that. And, and they got to play smart. Petrangelo threw the puck over the glass in the last game. Turned it into a six-on-four. Can't make mistakes like that. Play smart, play physical, and look for Florida to try to get Vegas to get out of their rhythm by playing cheap early on. Try to pull them into a fight. Try to hurt someone. Try to do something to get Vegas off their game. Here's Ron and Henderson on Raider Nation Radio. Thanks for calling in, Ron. What's happening? Hey, JT. Uh... You know, I think they're they're going to close it out tonight. You know, they're going to get off of that crappy, swampy Florida ice, and they're going to skate fast tonight, and they're going to play with the purpose. You know, I, I don't think they they want to go back to Florida at all. I just want to think they want to, you know, kill the rat where it stands, and this is it. You know, this is game time. This is the lights. This is what we've been all waiting for, and I think they feel it, and I think they're going to thrive off that energy that the medieval maniacs at the Fortress are going to give them tonight, JT. Nice. Yeah. Four to one. Four, Four to one. one. Oh, nice. Yeah, Let's thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thanks for getting in here. Thanks for waking us up. Appreciate that very much. Yeah, I, I'd like to see a 4-2, 5-3 game. I like, I like goals. I want to see a couple of goals scored. I think we got a great gold, uh, goaltender in Hill who's been fantastic, and a lot of times the defense does an amazing job of blocking pucks before they get to the crease. I think Vegas, you know, Florida's got a very good goalie, and Vegas has got to put the puck on net early. I'm looking for Mark Stone to have a big game with Mark So Obviously, Eichel who's been unbelievable of setting other players up. He's been outstanding when it comes to assist. I'd like to see him take a goal because he's taken a beating. He got hit in the face with a puck. He got hit violently early in this series by Kachuk. You know, this guy's going to need some time off when, when the series is over. I'd like to see Eichel be rewarded, and I'd like to see Mr. Foley, Bill Foley, the owner, be rewarded for going out and getting Jack Eichel, getting one of the best players in hockey who was injured at the time and had a how to make a huge decision if he was going to put that type of money towards one player who could make a difference, and that would be this player, Jack Eichel. And then how about William Carlson? There should be no doubt with him there. All right, last night Denver threw a big party. They deserved that they won in dominant fashion. Colorado Avalanche have won recently. This is a city that's winning some chips now, and Brandon Cristal kind enough to join us from Denver, a great sports talk host, great reporter, and Brandon, what was it like last night? Did it feel like it was meant to be? Because Miami wasn't an elite team, and Denver clearly dominated the series. Take me back to last night in Ball Arena, buddy. Yeah, it was it was really special, JT. And I, I was asked about this yesterday before the game, if they were going to win, what the moment would feel like. And it's really hard to 
quantify something that hasn't happened yet, right? You can imagine it just like anyone who's playing something, right? And they want to visualize their golf shot or their big, their big softball game or whatever it may be, uh, free throws before you take the game winners. And so I didn't really know what, what to expect, but I've done the, and you know, especially in my single days, I live downtown plenty and I'm sorry it's loud. I'm showing up with gas leaving Sean Payton's press conference, but, uh, I went to 30 Nuggets games a year in the Carmelo Anthony era when, when I wasn't living in the suburbs and, and saw some competitive Nuggets teams and saw some lean years after the Mellow trade and as they were rebuilding things when Joker got drafted and, and he's coming off the bench and you're like, who's this kid? And and then to see his growth and Jamal Murray's growth and to understand that more than 50 years of this fan base, 47 in the NBA, have been thirsting for a championship it, for a competitive franchise. It's gone to Western Conference Finals, was 0-7 against the Lakers in the playoffs, 0-3 in the Conference Finals, could never get past that dragon, finally slayed them last round with LeBron and AD, to then have it culminate with, I don't call it an easy run in the finals, but it wasn't a seven-game nail-biting series mm-hmm. because they were the better team and they played like it. And, and then it, it did really, especially because it was the first time a championship's been won in Denver since the Avs in 01. I realize with football that's impossible anyway, but, you know, the Avs won it last year in Tampa, blew a uh, Nathan McKinnon hat trick uh, to win in Game Five and, and lost. So it was, it was just re- really, really fun. And the parade's coming up Thursday. But for so many of my friends that grew up here, that saw some of the lean years, like so many franchises go through, you can relate to that as a Knicks fan. Uh, it, it's it's it was really special, and it was cool to to be in there and, and to see the enthusiasm, not just on the players' faces and coaches, but the folks that have been with the organization for ten, fifteen, twenty years. It was really, really cool. And Brandon Cristal joins us, KOA in Colorado. That's a really good point that you make because you make great relationships within organizations and you know the PR people, the play-by-play boys. And when you've had a drought where you've never won, you look back on this franchise and it was easy to see why they never won. They, they had to play in the elite era of the 80s with the Lakers and Celtics. They never had a team that was that great. They had good players. Carmelo Anthony, he took a run before he left for the Knicks. And you look at these other teams and then Jokic comes along and gets drafted and he wasn't a top two or three pick overall, and Jamal Murray was a higher draft pick. But talk to me on how they put the pieces together for this franchise because there's still so many elite teams. Steph Curry and the Warriors, LeBron James played this entire era, and why this unit staying together and being patient with this coach and ownership were able to win the title. And that part's probably overlooked a little bit, but and on the other side too, Eric Spolstra, it's still been a really good coach, even without LeBron James and, and Dwayne right. Wade at the height of his powers and all, and all of that, right? But we, we're in a, an industry, we cover an industry where, where they're quick to make changes because someone else made a change or someone's available or, or you've got the wrong vibe or it was a tough year. And the, the Nuggets, especially Michael Mullen, didn't have a great go of it in Sacramento. You could argue that he got through to, to Marcus Cousins, but he was, you know, a retread, if you will, put that in quotes. It wasn't a championship coach like, say, the Broncos have in Sean Payton coming in. And so they stuck with Malone. They fought through the injuries. They didn't know what they had in Nicole Jokic. It's a credit to Tim Conley, who was obviously here to build the team. He's now in Minnesota and, and got so much credit from so many people in the organization, specifically Michael Malone. But Conley, through his European scouting abilities and people he trusts over there, they saw something in Joker. But even Malone said, you'd be crazy to think that he would turn into a two-time MVP best player in the world type just the way he came in, overweight. You, you don't know exactly how any European player is going to play in America one way or another that far from home, all that. But they saw pretty quickly that he had special traits. 
were able to embrace that. They traded Yusuf Nurkic. They draft Jamal Murray, get a little lucky that he falls to them. At seven, that was one the final piece of the Carbell Anthony trade, actually, was that draft pick. And so they both come up the bench together, but then they start to play together, and they start running their two-man game. And, and over time, you can start to see the fruits of that labor in the bubble, and then they trade for Aaron Gordon. They're going 9-1 and one with Aaron Gordon two seasons ago, and Jamal Murray's leg explodes in, in Golden State. Uh, mid-April, I think it was April 16th. Mm-hmm. So they still stuck with it. They stuck with Jamal, stuck with Joker continuing to grow into the best player in basketball, and now they are reaping the fruits of that. And their championship window, with those two guys specifically, all five starters are under contract, but those two guys, as long as they're here and playing to that level, there's no reason to think they won't be competitive, especially some of the stars, even on the great teams with the Warriors, Lakers, and Suns right now, are all certainly getting older. They're not getting younger, KD or LeBron or, or Steph and company. Brandon Cristal, KOA in Denver. The Nuggets win the championship last night. You better believe I have time for him before I get to Broncos and Raiders. Uh, last one, all the debate shows. You and I have been friends, and we know a lot of the guys, and we've debated in the past. When I look at they're tr- everybody's trying to put Jokic in the pantheon today, and they're very confused. So before you came on, I said I would not put him, even though he has individual stats that look like Wilk and Jabbar. And we look at some of the other great players to ever play, big men. I got him with Elijah Wan, and here's why. Elijah Wan's one of the all-time greats. He's got two rings. Jokic has one. Two MVPs for Jokic. It could be three. I think he'll get another championship at some point in the next three to five years. Who do you compare him to? Because I said before you came on, if he was playing Shaq, he wouldn't be able to do any of this in the low block on Shaq. He'd be maybe a head fake, maybe a bank shot, but he couldn't push Shaq away, and Shaq would be able to push him out of the paint where he could still shoot threes or deep long shots, and Shaq wouldn't come out there. Where do you compare Jokic right now with all the basketball you've seen, and where could he be 10, 15 years from now when we talk about the all-time greats? Well, I love the Lajuan comparison, and what's funny, too, is Shaq, who... You know, if you watch him on, on TNT, especially on Thursday, feels like more so than Tuesday, he really likes to mm-hmm. criticize big men that aren't playing the way he would like. Joel Embiid's probably the top of that list, right? He sees big guys and wants them to go dominate. But he said, you know, and this is obviously unsolicited, they're talking about Joker, but he said Joker has the best footwork of anyone he's ever seen, and most people would have a Lajuan on top of that list. Joker likes to compare himself to Tim Duncan in, in the way he approaches things, but because he passes almost like Magic Johnson, which is crazy to say about a guy who's 6'11 and playing center, but he's kind of one of one in that regard. At the same time, I think he kind of is the beneficiary of, you know, a high basketball IQ, maybe limited athleticism, but he's been able to kind of pick pick pieces from other people's games maybe and, and add them to his or use them as part of his his bag of tricks. And so you're right, he wouldn't be able to do that to Shaq because nobody would be able to, right? Shaq's the mm-hmm. most dominant physical best man we've ever seen but he would just pull him away from the basket and maybe get by him here and there you know draw a little bit of extra attention and find the open guy that where there's a little bit of space and the way he's shooting threes i mean he shot threes in the playoffs better than he shot his entire career what's crazy to me is that he can go several quarters or several possessions without even putting a shot up and then has so much control and such great touch around the basket and efficiency that he still shoots like a high-volume shooter when he might only take 17 shots in a game. But he's kind of one of one, and it'll be fun to see when everything's done how many trophies he has, whether they be championship MVP or otherwise. Because then I think we could we could really start to form the debate. But that's also the most – we don't argue point guards very much after Magic, shooting guards after Michael and Kobe. I don't know what you want to call LeBron, but LeBron, Larry Bird, 
Tim Duncan's not a power forward to me. He's a center. Power forward is like Carl Malone, Barkley, Dirk, I guess. Centers is the most debatable because it's a style thing. Do you want Shaq? Do you want Will? Do you want Kareem? Do you want Bill Russell? Do you want Olajuwon? And I think Joker, if you put him even six on that list, that's a pretty good company to be in, and it'll be interesting to see if he can climb higher based on what he does over the next five to seven years. All right, Brandon Cristal covers the Broncos. i got to throw the Raider Nation some red meat because Raider fans are going to say, hey, why are you talking <laughs> hockey all day? So i got to get some Raider talk in. I've been right. I've been on the right side the last six games in that what we saw with the Raiders' rivalry with Denver. Raiders have been on top of that, and Raiders had one playoff season of 10 wins. They're down to six. They bring in Josh McDaniels. You just came from Sean Payton's press conference. I think the Raiders are better on paper than the national media give them credit for. I think the offense is bleeping loaded. And I'm not concerned about Jimmy Garoppolo, who I spent a lot of time with last week. I think he's going to be ready to go and a good player. And the Raider defense, it didn't get worse. I think it got better than last year. But a lot of the national media talking about your team again, the Broncos think Sean Payton and Russell Wilson are going to come together and they're going to be an AFC championship team. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be better than the Chiefs. What's the reality as you came from that press conference on how Denver can go from a disappointing team the last three, four seasons to the playoffs and maybe make a deep run? What do you like about the team this offseason? Well, I like the way that they're going about their business. It's not great for what we do because the access is much more limited. I've had so many more conversations with Broncos players and even Sean Payton and passing at Nuggets playoff games than I have at their facilities. This is like the third or fourth time we've been there all spring, including the draft. And so that's fine that they're just going about their business. Russell Wilson's social media posts are limited to mostly family-related stuff or his camp or whatever. It's not showing he and his teammates working out together and all of that. And so they're just trying to get on the same page and figure out exactly what Sean Payton wants from each position group, how it all meshes together. And you've got a bunch of coaches that have done this before. I think that was a problem with Nathaniel Hackett last year was that he had a bunch of coaches that had never held those jobs before, except for two in the entire building. Sean Payton brought in Mike Westhoff and Vance Joseph, obviously a very experienced defensive coordinator. And so when, you, when you've when got a bunch of experience in teaching, that's what they're focused on. If anyone can get something good out of Russell Wilson or whatever's left or the best out of Russell Wilson, I would put money on Sean Payton. Does that mean they're going to dethrone the Chiefs? I'm not ready to dethrone the Chiefs with any team in the AFC, let alone in the AFC West, right? So as exciting as that was last year, the people getting you know hopeful the Chargers might do it or that the Broncos with Russell Wilson could do it, the Chiefs are the pick to win the AFC West. And anybody that wants to pick otherwise is picking with their heart and not their head because as long as – They've got number 15 playing the way he does. Mm-hmm. You have to pick him in, until you've proven otherwise. But at the same time, and Raiders fans know this, John Elway only won the division seven times in 16 seasons. Now, he obviously went to five Super Bowls, but I think that's a number that you would think is kind of low. Patrick Mahomes has won the division six times in six years. <laughs> so uh, until, until they get knocked off their mountaintop, it, it really is battling for wild-card spots. I'm not saying it was the one year. Mm-hmm. With ball work. I guess they didn't win the division every year, but I guess it was a torn ACL that kept him from that, maybe. But anyway, my point being, it's really hard to win the division every year. I do think the Broncos, like the Raiders, are making improvements, but I won't, I think the, the best thing that happened to them was the highest. All right, we're losing him. Bo- games. Yeah. Oh, you got me back? Just a I got you back. Yeah, I got you back, and I, yeah. I got I, I to gotta say goodbye. You gave us a ton. Appreciate <laughs> it, my brother. Appreciate you. Yeah, buddy. Uh, Brent- 
and congratulations. Go Knights, I guess, right? Vegas born. (laughs) You got it. It'll be good. Thank you. Uh, It's tonight for Vegas. Colorado won last year, and he covered that. Uh, Brandon Gristall is a hell of a reporter and a good sports talk host. He gets a lot of information. Real quickly, what he said at the end with the access to Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. There's less access. I think the Raiders, I like, I get, a, I get tremendous access from Coach McDaniels. And Dave Ziegler, a lot of people don't think there's enough access. They're going to let us know like Denver when there's something to let us know. They don't have to let us know anything until the time gets going. Raider news is building. There'll be a lot to say coming up shortly. This is the first finals MVP trophy that we're giving out since Bill Russell's passing. And he'd be incredibly pleased. It's another center. This year's Bill Russell finals MVP goes to Nikola Jokic. That was a pretty big deal last night. And Adam Silver, the commissioner, made it clear the first Bill Russell MVP award going to Nikola Jokic, and he deserves it for the numbers he put up. JT, back with you. Friday night, I'll get to MC the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame banquet, the dinner. It's a big deal here in town at the Dollar Loan Center. Uh, former governor of Nevada and former president of UNLV, uh, the great Kenny Gwynn is no longer with us as he passed away, but his son Jeff is kind enough to join us, and he'll be there, a part of his family, to represent the family. Jeff, thanks for doing this, and as we begin, congratulations on this great honor for you and your family. How are you? Oh, I'm good. First off, I appreciate you having me on your show, and yes, this is a, a fantastic honor for our family. Your father had such a big impact on the state of Nevada, but I want to talk about him first before we tie it into sports as an educator and his background about how important education was to the youngest of those who needed a great education for all those individuals who were looking for a better way to pay to get to college. Yes, my dad came from a a very poor family. His father could not read or write, signed with an X, but he was a great guy. And I think his mom had about a sixth-grade education, and he knew that his way out was through education and athletics. So he was a fantastic athlete in high school, one of the top running backs in the country at at that time, and got a scholarship to USC. And then after a year there, he decided that education was more important. And so he moved on to Fresno State, got his master's from Stanford, and his Ph.D. from Utah State. It's an incredible track record. Let's talk about his early years and as much as you can tell us about him as an athlete. When I've met him in person before, a very big, strong guy, big handshake. Early on in his athletic career, as he was getting an education, you mentioned what he was able to do. What was his passion like, not only on the field as an athlete, but for watching sports and passing that down to you, his son? He did. He, he, he for sure stressed academics and athletics to my brother and I, Steve. But he was a four-letterman sport in high school. He did swimming, track, football, and basketball. If I remember right, he earned 16 letters. So that's pretty unheard of in this day and age. Most people play one or two sports. But overall, he was just a great athlete and an excellent, excellent student. Yeah, we're talking about the life of Kenny Gwynn, the former governor of Nevada, the 27th governor of Nevada. And then I want to jump into what he did 
at UNLV when he served as interim president and UNLV was going through a real tough time. That was before I got here. I got here in 96, and everybody thinks about yep. the Rebels and the run they made with Larry Johnson and Stacey Augman. How down was it for UNLV at that time? What was your dad's role to get the program and the school academics and sports back on track? Yeah, he retired for the banking, and he discussed with his family, all of us, that he wanted to go run UNLV for a year for $1. And uh, we said go for it because he was kind of bugging us at home all the time. So when he saw the financial condition that the university was on, uh, he knew he had to do some things. Uh, one of them was the athletic department. He was part of the uh, when the Raleigh Massimino kind of scandal uh, broke with the contracts. He had to get the athletic uh, uh, department back on track along with the school. So that's why he worked so hard uh, in doing that. And in the meantime, he saw a void that the students needed at UNLV, which later became, as when he became governor, the Millennium Scholarship to help the students go to school. So that was a great um, area for him to go into to see where the needs would be for the students. One of your father's greatest legacies was he was able to do something so unique. He used the National Tobacco Settlement money and pushed for the creation of the Millennium Scholarship Program that you talked about to provide all Nevada high school graduates with a 3.25 GPA, a scholarship, to attend a Nevada university. I mean, at that time, tell me how far outside the box that was, especially with that tobacco money that was coming and most politicians wouldn't put it to good use. Most states wouldn't put it to the proper use. Thank God your father was here with his experience to do the right thing. Can you take us behind the scenes of those discussions and how that process came together? Yeah, I, I, I remembering the first time he did his first State of the State address. And he was shaving in the bathroom. I came up to see him like just like I did when I was a young, young buck. And he told me to go read his speech on these certain pages, and I read for the first time about this Millennium Scholarship uh, program. And I said, this is fantastic. He says, yes, but I'm going to get a lot of heat from people because everyone wanted to have part of that money for whatever their agendas were in the state. And so he got a lot of uh, blowback from that, but it ended up being one of the greatest programs I've ever seen. I think it's gone on now for 24 years. Yes. Which I, and if I remember right, they refunded 50 to $70 million or something into a, this legislative uh, period. We are very proud of that. I mean, I, I just think that's one of the greatest things. And he knew that would help the kids because he came from a poor family. And he didn't want, say, a single mom working two or three jobs trying to put their kid to school when we can do a little help for them. And so, again, I think it was innovative. I think a few states in the country uh, did that afterwards. But this one, I think, was the first of its kind. It's gone on for 24 years. Yeah, Jeff Gwynn's our guest, uh, the son of Kenny Gwynn, the former governor of Nevada, who's getting inducted into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. It's sad that he's no longer with us. But this is a tremendous legacy because being around this group, mostly friends of the people who are in or sitting out in the crowd and now getting a chance to emcee it, to me it's all about education. And there's scholarship programs, and we bring kids up on stage, and that will happen on Friday night. As we wrap this up, i got to ask you this, Jeff, how important that is for you with your dad's legacy, because this is a great Hall of Fame, but he's done so many great things before this high honor. He hasn't been with us now for a number of years. What do you think your dad would think of this special night 
and being specifically looked at for the accomplishments he's had here in Southern Nevada? I don't think he would look at it as his accomplishments. He would go and be more excited about the other people that he's being inducted with. That's just the way he was. He was a yeah. common sense, a common person. It didn't matter what you had in life or what you did have. He talked to everyone the same way, and he would be excited. He would be absolutely excited. And our whole family is this thrilled. Yeah, I can imagine. It's going to be a good night to celebrate that, isn't it? When you think yeah, it's about going it. to be awesome. You know, I would yeah. see a lot of old friends there. Uh, some of his friends will be there, too. Um, Pat Christensen and some of the other guys that mm-hmm. uh, were all part of this. But, yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Fantastic, Jeff. I look forward to seeing you there Friday night. Thanks a lot for cutting out some time for us. Uh, All the best. Thank you very much. There he is, Jeff Gwynn. You got it. Appreciate it. He's the last of our inductees to talk to as we get ready for the Hall of Fame, Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. That'll be Friday night. This guy, uh, Kenny Gwynn, who I met only once, was a really special guy. Not only as an elite athlete, but what he did as governor, and especially what he was able to pull off here when we talked about the big move. And the ability to move money around like that for the Millennium Scholarship Program. That's had an impact on so many people in Southern Nevada and the state of Nevada. He gets a lot of respect. And his son's very humble. That's what's great about this class that's going in. Lon Kruger. I mean, the individuals that we talk to, Kevin Higgins along the way, they're all very humble people uh, that really appreciate this opportunity. So I hope I see you there on Friday night. And I hope you get an opportunity to get tickets and you're coming out and you're going to see this. It's one of the best events I've been a part of in town and happy to be a small part of it coming up on Friday night. We have one more hockey guest who's going to join us in a few minutes here before I get out of here. Last call for hockey calls uh, before I got to figure out how I'm getting down there to the fortress. I'll probably take an Uber. Maybe a cab driver will hear me and DM me. Maybe one of the cabbies will come get me. Where do I start? Back in the old days, I said, who's going to buy the brick of beer? I'll let you buy me a beer, and then I'll buy you two. Let's go. We got the Stanley Cup here tonight. Are you kidding me? I'm fired up. I can't wait to get down there. I can't wait to be a part of the party tonight. Barkov put it into the slot, off a stick, down to the right circle, a shot, kick saved by Hill, rebound taken by Vegas. Well, Hill's been playing good, JT, as we wrap it up, ready to roll. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for jumping in today. We did wake up a couple of hockey fans, which was pretty important. So we're ready to roll. If you want to get in, one more hockey call before we get out of here. 702-365-9200. Shane O'Brien's going to join us, former long-term NHL player. is going to jump in here from the Missing Curfew podcast. He's scheduled to join us in a few minutes here. And then I'm going to head on out down to the Fortress and, and get ready for this game tonight, which will be massive, really important, and an opportunity to drink from the cup. Not that we will drink from the cup tonight. You never know. I mean, there could be a late-night party where this cup could show up and in Summerlin, not too far from my house. But you will be able to see this cup if they win tonight. You will be around this cup at some point tonight around the parade when these players get an opportunity to be with the cup in the offseason and all that. I don't know what to tell you. We don't want to. We don't want to jinx this thing. I just talked to a very good friend in between my last interview and this upcoming interview, who's a former hockey player, who thinks that Vegas is going to lose tonight. I said, "Excuse me." He said, "Yeah." He goes, "Kachuk and these guys are going to play like the their lives on the line, and it is." And he expects them to win and go back in Vegas to still win the series. 
If Vegas loses tonight, it will probably be one of the most disappointing evenings in Vegas sports history since UNLV and Jerry Tarkanian lost to Duke when they were heavy favorites to go back-to-back and win. Uh, This is not a guarantee. I'm not saying a guarantee. I'm not one of those guys. They're going to win tonight. I guarantee you they're going to win. I'm not one of those guys. But what I will tell you is that the far superior team, they're at home with a significant lead in the series. With all that being said, you can't screw that up. But in baseball, you can run into a pitcher where you can't hit, right? The pitcher pitches eight innings, he throws the shutout, and you just can't hit him. In hockey, you can run into a hot goalie. They had a very hot goalie against Boston. You can run into it in the NBA. Someone can come in and score 45 on you, and you go, oh, my God, we can't close out the game. But this team is deeper one line to four lines. They have a significantly better defense overall. And the fourth line could be the difference tonight. It's been the difference in the series if they're able to come in and get it going. But you never know. In hockey, you saw the other night, uh, they scored a goal off of two skates. Right, deflected off two skates. If that happens, if something stupid happens along the way that you can't control, at least Vegas has the ability where they only have to win one of the next three games to win the cup. But of course, we want to see it here. And the last thing I want to see is a game seven. If it came back here for a game seven, because if they lose this game tonight, which I think they'll win, but if they did lose this game, I think you go got to look back and say it's definitely they're not going to win game six because that play is going to be a madhouse. So this is important. This is important for Bill Foley, the owner of the team, the commerce here in the city of Vegas and everything. And we'd be really excited to see something great happen here tonight. So are we jinxing it? No, we're not playing in the game. We're not, we're not taping up our sticks. We're not wearing a certain shirt underneath our jersey. We're just a bunch of fans going into the game and going to have some fun tonight. But it's the job of the fans that come in and they have to be electric tonight. Fans, which I'm just one of them, and I think I know the fans good. The fans got to be electric tonight, excited tonight. They got to come in and do their part. You say, what's your part? Sit in your seat and get ready as we get going. All right, we got them. I'm excited to talk to Shane O'Brien. The podcast, Missing Curfew, is fantastic. Shane, thanks for doing this, man. Good to talk to you. Welcome back again to Vegas on the eve of a potential cup. How do you see this game tonight? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I heard about, all, you know, what you're saying there about the fans. And, you know, listen, last year I was in, I was in Denver for Game 5 where, where the Avalanche, one of my former teams, had the chance to close it out. And I'll never forget the, the nervous tension of the fans and the players and just the, the realization that the Cup's in the building. And then, unfortunately, you know, Tampa scored the first one and you could feel the nervous energy. So, uh, for the fans of Vegas tonight, I'm looking for them to just be excited no matter what happens, stay energetic, but... Uh, it's going to be unbelievable. I was there for game one and two. It was even better than I expected. Uh, I think Vegas takes care of business tonight. But like I said, there's going to be some nervous energy in the building for sure, knowing that the cup is in there. Shane, I want to uh, talk to you as a former great player when you look at the X's and O's of this. Florida looks to be the cheaper team. They like to hit after the scrum. They like to grab from behind. You know, a lot of Vegas guys are laughing, taking an extra punch when they're breaking up a little bit of a scrum there. What do you think Colasar does tonight to Kachuk? As one of my former hockey fans said, he's got to put his face in the dirt quickly here, or Kachuk could come out and say, I'm going right at Eichel again. Do you think there's going to be some physicality gamesmanship in the first period that could put one team in the box a little bit longer than expected to try to gain control of the game? Yeah, I think from Vegas' perspective, they've stayed out of that all series. I think they will continue to stay out of it. And, you know, Chucky, he's, 
you know, he's dealing with some injuries. He's pretty, he's pretty banged up right now. So I, I think he's probably going to, you know, try to control his energy for whistle to whistle. But, you know, it, it's been a storyline in the series. And quite frankly, it, it's frustration on Florida's part. I, listen, I've been there. I've been on the, on, on the side of Florida, not the Stanley Cup final, but in the second round where, you know, things aren't going your way and you're down the series and you, you've worked so hard to get to where you are. And, and frustration takes over. So it's basically a credit to Vegas how well they've played in the Stanley Cup final. I mean, listen, this series could be over. It could have been a sweep. Uh, the Cats found a way to claw back in Game 3 win it in overtime. But from Vegas' perspective, whistle to whistle, keep doing your thing. Uh, this team is on a mission, and, and like we all know, they're one win away from, from the Stanley Cup. Shane O'Brien has one of the best podcasts out there, Missing Curfew, downloaded, especially if you're a hockey fan, but you don't have to be a hockey fan. Lifestyle, bunch of guys talking about life and having a good time. And, you know, Shane, I haven't t- seen you in a while, but I remember when you first launched this podcast with Albert and Hall Pass Media, there was something called the Vegas flu. Teams were coming in here year one. They were at the tables. I got buddies who run steakhouses. You got hockey players drinking wine till four in the morning, playing the next day with no legs. There was a real Vegas flu. How has that changed now where teams come into Vegas and they're not partying, they're not acting like it's their first trip here on a bachelor party, and they're controlling the atmosphere when they come in here and play this team? Yeah, I know that what you just said. I, I, I used to love all those things about the road. And certain guys can play that way and certain guys can. And I think, you know, obviously when Vegas first came in the league, everyone was excited to have them in the league. Guys were coming in. But then, you know, we all know that Vegas went to the Stanley Cup final their first year. And, and what they've done in six years to establish themselves as a, a legit powerhouse in the NHL. Now when teams come into Vegas, you know, it's, it's in your schedule. Like, yeah, you know, we're probably going to have a rookie party when we're here. But at the same time, it's a good measuring stick to see where we match up against the Vegas Golden Knights. So I still think the boys circle the calendar to have some fun in Vegas when it comes to after the hockey game. But Vegas, the organization has put themselves at the top of the NHL that when teams come in there, more importantly, they want to see where they match up with them on the ice and then have some fun after the game. Shane O'Brien, as we wrap it up. So Shane, finally, what needs to happen here for Vegas not to screw this up? That's the most important thing because Stone, Marceso, Eichel, William Carlson, I think they have the best defense when it comes to offense coming off that. Alec Martinez, Chase Theodore is a hell of a player. Obviously, Petrangelo here. It would take a lot for them to screw this up. What is your perspective on what the only game plan should be for the Florida Panthers tonight to have a chance to get it back to Sunrise, Florida? Yeah, I mean, for me, for Florida's perspective, it's Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky's going to... You know, this is saying something because he's been so good for their, for their run here in the final. He's going to have to be – he's going to have his best game of the playoffs. For me, the Panthers need to get the first goal. And if, if I'm in the Panthers' room, I'm saying, boys, we need the first one, and I'm saying the same thing in Vegas' room. Let's get the first one, get the second one, take their will out of it. Listen, I, I think Vegas gets it done tonight, boys. Uh, I just think that the Panthers are too banged up. I think Matty Kachuk is so banged up that mm-hmm. he's going to play, but who knows how good he's going to be. But to answer your question, the only way I think this gets screwed up for Vegas and their awesome fan base in that great city is if Bobrovsky absolutely steals one. Keep me in mind tonight, no one knows this town like me. You know that. So you might think you have something <laughs> planned that's good. It won't be as good as me or it'll be equal. So you have Albert on the text with me, and let's grab a beverage tonight if Vegas wins. All right. Enjoy the game, my man. Take care. Shane O'Brien, good player, really good player and missing curfew. Uh, the podcast there. So that's what I have. You know, I'm old enough now, you know, to be a guy that uh, my wife is brilliant. And this is the type of night where if Vegas wins, uh, there is not a curfew. Uh, the wife will be like, do what you got to do. And it'll be fun because I got a lot of friends in this town, a lot of friends that are going to want to get after it here 
but I got to do a radio show tomorrow at noon. Now, if I had a morning show, if I had to do a morning show like Ed Graney or the great Steph McKenzie, there'd be a little bit of a problem tomorrow. But having a show at noon, if Vegas wins tonight, this will be a great night. If they don't win, I'm right back home because I'm on uh, Maui time, three hours less. So I just got back from my vacation where it was three hours less, and we were watching the hockey game at 2.30 in the afternoon when they played Florida. 2.30 in the afternoon, I'm watching hockey. So you get off the beach, you, you kind of rinse off the sand off. I went into my buddy's place. We're watching the game. Three in the afternoon. That was weird. Same thing with the NBA playoffs. Two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, the time clock will come back and I'll be ready to go. And maybe I'll reset my body clock tonight by staying out late with the Golden Knights. My whole life as a sports fan, mostly New York sports, until I got hooked up with the Oakland Raiders in 1998. It's been about the Yankees. It's been about the Knicks. The Knicks have never won a championship in my adult lifetime. They did in the early 70s when I was a kid. I was with the Raiders when they went to the Super Bowl. That was a party, but they lost that game. A Yankee fan, I've been up many a night and been at the World Series when they won. But for hockey, I grew up with the Islanders when they won four cups in a row when I was in high school. But I was in high school, and I had a curfew with my mom and dad. Tonight could be one for the ages. I hope everybody has a great night tonight. Be safe. Don't be reckless. Don't be crazy. Don't drink and drive. Be around your friends and family, and hopefully we got a celebration to talk about tomorrow. Go Vegas Golden Knights. Go win the Stanley Cup. Make history in Vegas like several other teams have done in the past. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe again, and thanks for listening to the show.